Station Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Williams, and here on this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you how you can apply the principles of manifestation, money mindset, spirituality, and energy work so that you can create long lasting success in your business and in your life. to share with you this week, the five essentials to weight loss. This is a concept that was not just dreamt up by me. In fact, we have created this as part of the six-week reset, which is a group program that I'm running with two lovely colleagues of mine. Uh, So that's Dr. Matea Rentia and Rochelle Summers. And so we're running a six-week program with a group. There's about 15 people in there and we're taking them on a six-week journey to start to reset them and to kickstart them on their weight loss journey. And we were discussing this week one of the concepts that we thought might be good to come up with. And we've decided to call it the five essentials on your weight loss journey. And the reason why these are the essentials is that it's the fundamental basics So what I'm going to share with you today is five things that if you do just these things only, you will lose weight. You will lose weight. I mean, unless you've got a medical problem and you might need to see a doctor about that. Of course, there are situations like that. But assuming everything is functioning well in your body, you will lose weight if you do just these five things. So how we use this in uh, our weight loss coaching is this is what we suggest to people at the start of their journey. And so this will get the weight loss process started. But it's also a great concept to come back to to troubleshoot because there are points in the journey where there's a bit of a sticking point. It might be that weight loss might slow down a little bit, that weight loss stalls, that there's a sense that there's a plateau. And so this concept is equally as important at those points because sometimes we start the journey and things are, feel very easy. We're very motivated. We're doing everything 100%. And then life starts to happen again and old habits creep in. And we might realize that there's maybe one or two things that we're not doing as well as we potentially could. So this is another concept that we come back to to troubleshoot at those sticking points just to see where can we start to improve things. So if you do just these five things, you will lose weight. Now, the thing is, and there's nothing groundbreaking here, guys, to to be honest. So, you know, just to say in advance, to caveat what I'm going to say, you probably know a lot of this. If you've come from the world of dieting, you probably know a lot of this. But it's usually the, the management of our mind around this because we know what to do. We just need to manage our mind. And I talk an awful lot on this podcast about the mindset side of things. But I really wanted to return to this concept today because I thought it was so helpful, actually, the way the three of us have come up with this. We brainstormed and we thought this is the five essentials. We use this at the start of the journey. We use this as a concept to troubleshoot along the journey. And if people just do these five things, they will lose weight. So I'm sharing this with you today in case it's something that can help you on your weight loss journey. And so what I also want to say before we go into the five things is that we want to practice 
building this up over time. If you find anything that I say today, it's like, whoa, that's way outside for me. Like I can't possibly do that right now. And it feels very undoable. Then don't, don't stress too much because 1% 1% upgrades, incremental upgrades and tiny changes that you make every day will build up over time. And that is the recipe for long-term weight loss and sustainable weight loss. In fact, I believe this is the most effective way to lose weight. It takes a little bit longer, yes, but if we try and implement everything overnight, quite often that creates a huge amount of tension and conflict within us because what we're hitting up against is very ingrained neural pathways and habits. And these habits will be there telling you to eat the chocolate in the afternoon when you're feeling tired or when you're feeling stressed to go and grab that sugary coffee, whatever your habitual eating habit is. So by doing these five things and building them up over time with very small incremental upgrades, you will see sustainable weight loss over time that actually lasts. Okay, so let's go into the five essentials. The first point is no sugar, no flour. And we don't say this because we're coming from a diet mentality and we're saying, right, go on a diet, just cut out all the flour products, cut out all the sugar products and you'll be fine. Actually, this is very grounded in science. And what we're really aiming to do here is to regulate insulin. Insulin is our hormone that actually dictates whether or not we're storing fat and we're gaining weight or whether or not we're losing weight. And what was really interesting, actually, when we were speaking with Matea and we were talking about these concepts and coming up with the training was that she was saying that she'd come across some research recently, which suggested that actually our insulin levels dictate our weight set point. So if you're in the the same situation as many of the women that I, I work with, And where I've been myself, you'll probably find that maybe in your 30s or your 40s, your hormones start to change. And it might be that your weight has gone up and it continues to go up and it doesn't seem to go down to the levels that it was in your 20s or your early 30s. And that is very normal and it can all be down to insulin. So when we say no sugar, no flour, what we're really coming, the place that we're coming from is that we want to regulate our hormones. This is the best way to start to lose weight. It trumps calorie counting. So the aim is to regulate your insulin so that your body will use its existing fat stores in order to burn energy. So that's what we call fat adaptation. And I just did a podcast on that, the power of fat adaptation, which you might've heard recently. And if you haven't, you might want to go back and listen to that a little bit more. It's a super powerful concept. There is a transition period and it will get easier, but at the start, if you're on the fat adaptation journey, you might find yourself feeling a bit more tired, um, you know, finding that you've got a little bit of a headache or something like that going on. And some of the women in our program on their first week, we're now in week two of the six, but last week we did have that coming up in the group. So we were doing quite a bit of coaching with the, with people in the group about how they were experiencing some headaches and they were experiencing some tiredness. And this is all very normal and it's part of the process. You'll also get quite hungry and that is because you're not fat adapted yet. So this is the thing, fat adaptation will eventually make you less hungry. 
because when your insulin levels are not regulated, your hunger hormones are also unregulated as well. And that's where we tend to get much more hungry and we don't know when we're full. It's the leptin and ghrelin that are are kind of at an interplay with insulin here. And so this is where after the transition period, after you're experiencing some of the hunger and maybe a headache or a little bit tired, it's going to get so much easier because actually you find you don't need as much food as you thought you did. It's really, really interesting. And you get very used to it really quickly. Your energy levels stay very uh, kind of stable throughout the day. And for anyone that has experienced mood swings throughout the day as well, if you tend to get irritable or tired, your mood levels will usually um, uh, kind of stabilize as well. So if you've got the, the kind of mood swings that are related to your blood sugar, that will also stabilize over time as well. Now, I talk a lot on this podcast about not going back into diet mentality and to get away from diets forever. So we're not saying don't eat um, sugar and flour ever again. It's demon food. We're definitely not saying that. But use this concept for a very specific goal. We want to regulate our hormones here. We want to become fat adapted. And then after that, introduce the sugar, introduce the flour again, see how it goes for you. And There are specific tools that we can use that will start to build up your confidence around reintroducing these foods again. So you'll start to build your confidence again once you don't have those cravings that are coming from a place of running your body on that that fuel of the sugar and the flour. You'll actually start to have confidence because you're not getting those hunger cravings like you used to. And then you can start to dig into the emotional reasons that you might be wanting to eat these foods. So that's where a lot of the coaching and the mindset stuff comes in afterwards as well. So it's about, you know, getting your your body fat adapted, getting your insulin regulated, and then reintroducing these foods in a way that is in balance for how you want to live your life. And they no no longer feels like they're in control of you. So that is the first essential no sugar, no flour for four to six weeks, and then start reintroducing those foods as what I like to call joy foods. And you get to to then experience that control around them. So the second essential is water. And we usually say, try and aim for two liters. And if you're in America, that's 64 ounces a day. So water is really great for burning fat. It's going to help the body to burn through any of the fat that is there and also flush out toxins, which is super helpful at the start. If you're going through that transition period of becoming fat adapted and you're experiencing some headaches and some tiredness, it's going to start flushing all of those toxins out and it will help you to feel better as well. Now, hydration and dehydration, I should say, actually, this is often confused for hunger. So that's the other benefit of water as well. Not only will it help your body to work better when it's flushing out the toxins and burning fat, but it will also help you to eliminate any of those hunger cues that you're confusing for hydration and dehydration, I should say. So um, having sufficient water means that we won't be eating when we're actually needing to drink some water. So a tip for you if you're not used to drinking a lot of water is that you could have a big glass of water at the side of your bed or maybe a bottle at the side of your bed and get in the practice of drinking that first thing in the morning. You can also have containers or water bottles that are set up for you and so that you can either carry them around during the day, have them in your car, 
have them in your office as you're working so that you know it's just there, you know how much you're drinking. Get those set up in the in the morning if you can, and then it's always readily available, it's easy, and it's front of mind if you can see it as well, and so it will remind you to keep drinking your water. So you don't have to rely on reminding yourself to drink the water all through the day, especially if you've got a lot going on. So that can be a really helpful tip as well. So the third essential is sleeping for six hours or more a night. Now, we recently had the sleep coach uh, Janet Whalen on the podcast. So you might want to go back a couple of podcast episodes if you want to have a look and see what um, that discussion was all about. She had some really helpful advice for anyone that does have sleep issues. Um, so sleep is really important for weight loss. It's when you're overtired, it can create over hunger. So we just generally tend to feel a lot hungrier when we're tired. And most of us have probably experienced this, whether it's just a sleepless night or you've had a series of of just not um, sleeping very well, you might actually be quite familiar with how hungry you feel when you are overtired. And the thing is as well that the part of our brain that is responsible for making those decisions that are in alignment with our goals and the direction that we're heading, it tends to be tired too. So there's less capability of making these sound decisions. So when you're feeling hungry and the easiest option is to maybe order a pizza, that might be what you do when you're feeling that tired. So the aim here is to get at least six hours of sleep a night. Um, it might be that you do really well on eight. And I know a lot of people believe that you should be getting eight hours of sleep. That's a common mainstream um, kind of um, saying that, you know, everyone should be getting eight hours of sleep a night. But um, if you go back to that podcast episode with Janet, I mean, she's done quite a lot of research and she talks about how it's at least six hours and you get to, to figure out what works for you. Some people might operate great on six hours. Some people might operate great on seven hours. So find the right balance for you. If you are experiencing any problems with your sleep, then here's a few tips for you. So you want to eliminate the use of screens for at least an hour before bed. So that would include your laptop, your mobile phone, the television, anything like that any tablets that you're using. You want to also set a consistent wake up time. So maybe you have an alarm that goes off. Uh, Actually, after having that um, podcast interview with Janet, I started changing my my mobile phone wake up time because I tend to tended to set that for every weekday. And I've now set it for every day. She talks about how if you have those different wake-up times, you're essentially putting your body into jet lag sometimes. Um, It's almost like the same thing happening in your body as when you're jet lagged. And that's why sometimes we can feel so tired. So getting used to consistently waking up at the same time every day can be really helpful. You also want to have a look at what you're telling yourself when you fall asleep. If you feel like you are actually having a hard time falling asleep and you're worried about not getting enough sleep, being tired the next day, waking up at 2am, you know, all the things that you've got to do, have a look at what's going on in your mind and you might want to do some journaling, do a little bit of thought work, get that out on paper. That might help you to just clear out your mind before you go to sleep. And if you're used to doing thought work and self-coaching, you might want to actually have a look at some of those thoughts because they may well be preventing you from sleeping. 
You know, so for instance, if you walk into your bedroom and you see your bed there and you feel a sense of dread and you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if it's going to be the same as the night before. I'm not going to be able to sleep very well. I'm going to be so tired. What do you think is going to happen when you get into bed and you're feeling anxious and dread about that? We tend to create even more busyness in our mind and less ability to go to sleep. So having a look at the thought side of things and seeing what goes on in the mind is really important there as well. And then if if you do have a sleep problem, you might also want to consider sleep hygiene, like only using your bed for sleep. Um, you know, so if you want to wind down and do a bit of reading or something, you might do that in the lounge room and then come up and go to your bed afterwards. Okay. Tapping, as you know, is one of my favorite tools and there are tapping videos available online as well. So if you wanted to do some tapping, some emotional freedom technique, that can also be helpful for sleep. Sometimes I'm sitting in bed if I'm a little bit... Um, uh, kind of wired and I can't go to sleep, I'll, I'll tap on my points um, as I, I'm kind of laying there. And sometimes that's all I need to do, just tapping on the points without even saying anything. Um, and it tends to just calm me down and allow me to go to sleep a little bit easier. Okay, so that is the third point, sleeping for six hours or more. So the fourth point is the workable hunger. So basically, this is eating when you're hungry and stopping when you've had enough. That doesn't mean stopping when you're full. So getting to the point where you know that you've had sufficient food to fuel your body and stopping at that point. This is something that people tend to work on over time because we've become very far removed from our hunger signals, especially because our hunger hormones have been out of balance. And if we've been eating sugar and flour and if we've been drinking alcohol, which has a higher sugar content, so it's the same kind of concept, it's going to have upset our hunger hormones. So for many of us, we just don't really even know when we're genuinely hungry for fuel and when we've had enough. So over time, what you'll want to do is cultivate this relationship with your body's cues over time and distinguish when you're hungry and not leaving it too long, not leaving it to the point where you're ravenous and you want to chew your arm off, because what we do at that point is we usually eat really fast and we overeat way past full. So we want to start when we're just feeling hungry and then stop when you've had enough. You're not feeling any pressure on your stomach at this point. You're no longer feeling hungry, but you haven't got to the point where there's any pressure on your stomach. So if you think back to where you were when you were hungry and that that's gone, that signal is gone, you may have got had enough. Now, if you're a fast eater, it might be that you need to have a physical kind of break in the middle there to take a pause. So for fast eaters, quite often, there's just no time to even register as it's going in for your body to respond. So then what we find is that we 10 minutes later, we're like completely stuffed once it all registers and we, we don't even know how we got there. So if you're a fast eater, maybe consider eating half of your meal and then setting a timer for 10 minutes, having a little break and coming back and eating if you're genuinely hungry at that point. So when you've had enough, one of the powerful things is to really consider whether or not you're feeling satisfied. And if you're not feeling satisfied, is that coming from an emotional place or is it coming from a physical place because you're still hungry? for fuel. So again, over time, as you become more familiar with your hunger signals and really tune into this, you'll start to distinguish the difference between emotional satisfaction and physical satisfaction when it comes to these meals. 
So I've already given you one tip around eating when you're hungry and stopping when you've had enough, and that was to have a break in the middle and to maybe set a timer for 10 minutes. Another tip is that you can maybe leave a few bites on your plate. So instead of eating the full amount of food, leave some. Turn off all of your screens. Aim to have no distractions when you're eating. You might want to consider a loving boundary for yourself. Like not long ago, I realized that I was still having a habit of snacking in the afternoon and I would go down and make my cup of tea and then I would grab a handful of nuts out of the nut jar or something like that. And it's almost so unconscious, I don't even recognize that it's going on. And so what I decided I needed to do was set a loving boundary for myself that when I eat, I sit at the table, I have a plate, I have cutlery, I'm focused on the food, and I'm not distracting myself by scrolling on social media or watching TV in the background or anything like that. So consider what what things like that might work for you. And what might be interesting for you as well as a little experiment, I've seen people do this, is to freeze anything you leave on your plate. So if you're doing that tip of leaving a few bites on your plate, chuck them into a freezer bag, put them in, in the freezer for a week and see how much food you've built up over time. You'll be able to then see how much you've actually stopped yourself from eating when you weren't actually hungry. And that can be a really eye-opening exercise sometimes. Okay, so the final of our five points is to plan and evaluate. You want to learn about your eating patterns and break these habits. So planning is what um, what will give you the power to use your prefrontal cortex. It's the part of your brain that is aligned to your goals, your highest decisions, and making those plans and, and intentions for the future. It is the part of your brain that is not subject to emotional uh, kind of um, whims, emotional whims and things like that that happen throughout the day. So we we want to decide ahead of time, how do I want to eat today? Whether you do that in the morning, whether you do that the night before, totally up to you. Just take a few minutes. It doesn't even have to be a long exercise. We just want a few bullet points. I want, you know, this is what I'm having for breakfast. This is what I'm having for lunch. This is what I'm having for dinner. If you're having any snacks, these are the snacks I'm going to have. And then you've made that decision. So this gives us more data to review as well, because our brains forget all the time. And I see this with people actually on the weight loss journey, they become really good at planning. And then they'll say, yeah, I know how to eat now and I'm losing weight. It's great. Now, the problem is when we don't plan and we don't write down what we actually ate for the day, our brains just forget. It's just so easy to go back to those subconscious patterns. So just taking a few minutes to make that decision ahead of time in the morning will give you so much more information to help you stay on track. And then at the end of the day, or maybe the next morning, you want to just write down what you did. And I make it super easy for myself. So I'm just going to literally tick off where I was on plan. So I decided to eat eggs for breakfast. I'll tick it off if I ate eggs for breakfast. If I didn't, I'll put a little cross and I'll make a little note. This is what I ate. So you want to actually look at what you planned versus what actually happened. And this is where for many of us who have been on the diet journey and being on the yo-yo diet journey, we may have actually found that every time we go off plan, we beat ourselves up. So we really want to remember to put the scientist's lab coat on when we do this. We want to actually have a look from a logical place, from a place of curiosity, 
and from a place of compassion to say, okay, let's just use that example I just gave you. I plan to eat eggs for breakfast and then instead I ate something else instead. Um, I had a piece of toast and I had some peanut butter because I was really feeling like I needed some carbs. So we want to look at that as information. That's interesting. Why did that happen? So we can really start to get a little bit more of an understanding of these eating patterns and these habits that happen. Because before we do this, these habits are often so ingrained, they have become like unconscious eating patterns and we don't really even know that they're there. So we really need to just get it all out and on paper and really see what's happening, but come at it from a curious and compassionate viewpoint so that we can learn and move on. So my tips for you on planning and evaluating are to just set a timer. If you are feeling resistance to planning, set a timer, maximum three minutes. Seriously, it should take no longer than that. We want to do minimum baseline as well. What's the absolute minimum you can do here? Like three or four bullet points, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, boom, done, move on. That's it. Minimum baseline. Do what you can and build that consistent habit. Again, we're coming back to 1% upgrades here and we want to see that consistency. We want to make it doable, as doable as possible. Maybe at the start, you can only get to planning one meal. Fine, if that's what's easy for you, become consistent in only planning that one meal and then over time, you're going to add on to that. Maybe you add in the second meal. Maybe you add in the third meal. So it will build over time. Okay, so that's what I've got for you today on the five essentials. Just to recap, they were no sugar, no flour in order to regulate your insulin and become fat adapted and then reintroduce those foods in a way that deconditions desire and gives you your control back. To drink water, two liters or 64 ounces. To sleep for six hours or more a night. To eat when you're hungry and stop when you've had enough. And then to plan your food in advance and evaluate what actually happens so that you're learning about your eating patterns and you're starting to break those habits. So I hope that's been helpful for you this week. If you've got any questions, I welcome them. Do come and find me on social media. Drop me a DM. I'll be happy to have a chat with you. Okay, that's what I have for you this week. And I will be back next week with some more weight loss for life tips for you. Bye for now.